On this episode of AV Week, we talk about international AV, how we can standardize the AV installations we do both in the States and abroad. Also talk about why integrators and the AV industry at large care about IoT. All that and more next on AV Week. The network for the AV industry. What are you listening to? This. This is AV. This. This. This is AV Nation. This is AV Nation. Support for AV Nation comes from our fine group of underwriters, companies like Crestron Electronics, and by Draper. This is AV Week, episode 289, recorded Friday, March 10th, 2017. Esperanto Cafe. Ready. AV, AV Week. Performing scan. Week. Online. This is AV Week. This is AV Week, your weekly wrap-up of audiovisual news and information. My name is Tom Albright. I am your host. Thank you so much for listening uh, and for watching, those of you who watch us on YouTube. First and foremost, the left-hand side of my brain, a fine human being and the best New Yorker that I know. His name is George Tucker. How are you, sir? <laughs> I'm doing fine. Great to be on again. Absolutely. Uh, also with us is the uh, the host in the, the with, uh, with at uh, AV Apps Show. Also, uh, a fine uh, AV professional down in the great state of Texas. Name is Victoria. How are you, ma'am? Great. Thanks for having me on. Absolutely. Uh, last but not least, um, a, a, a relatively youngster uh, amongst, at least amongst me and Tucker. Um, uh, he works for, uh, for EH Publications. Uh, has a, a, he's the managing editor of Tech Decisions. Name is Jonathan Blackwood. How are you, sir? I'm doing good, guys. Thanks for having me on. Absolutely. Uh, Jonathan also has a, a new podcast himself called My Tech Decisions Podcast. So you can check that out on the website as, also, as, as well as on iTunes. Right, Jonathan? Uh, on the website as well as on iTunes. That's right. correct. Very good. All right, guys. Let's, let's kick this off here. I want to start with this. And you guys know me. I've, I've been on this global kick for a couple of years now. Ever since our very first trip to ISC, Mr. Tucker and I and a couple other folks got to go over to Amsterdam. And um, as Mark Twain said, some of the, the, the best experiences you're going to have is, is by going to other cultures and other countries. Global AV Partnership is target, targeting new members. Now, this is a group of three folks, three companies, um, that over at ISC, it, it, it was the quote-unquote unofficial introduction of this worldwide consortium. consortium. Um, George, I want to start with you on this, not just this, this group, Global AV Partnership, but there are others that, that have come out uh, over the last couple of years. I was at PSNI a couple of weeks ago. They've started to talk about going international as well and, and getting partnerships. I hang, got to hang out with, with the, the gang over at Varex. They have, over the last 10 years, really um, started doing the same thing. Two or three weeks ago, uh, um, HB Communications announced their very first office in, in London. AVISPL, I could go on, by the way. AVISPL actually has a stand at ISC for this very thing. The world gets smaller and smaller as all of us are getting, you know, um, older and older. Technology is kind of bringing us together. What does this do, though, um, to the world of AV? What does this do to us here in the States as we're watching this happen? And, and how does this impact all of us? 
Well, the first thing that strikes me is about standards, right? Okay. Uh, a universal standard of some sort is probably beneficial in these kind of groupings because you're not having to translate, say, like the uh, the uh, the ill-fated Mars lander several years ago between metric and uh, U.S. Mm -hmm. standard yep. measurements to go crash into something in some way. So that would be my biggest part of that. And there's buying power, I guess, in all of that as well. Um, it, it just gives a tighter understanding of what standards really work where and how to translate them between international offices. So if you're in US, London and Hong Kong, you know, actually two of those are probably the same, but you, you get my point is that you have a just one broad standard that you can apply and it doesn't have to work in any of that translation of why it's working a separate way or why the electricians do things a different way here and there. I, I, if I read correctly, they're using the um, Infocom AX, AXP what with the, the, the global standard that they're trying to implement. But that's my biggest takeaway from them is that there's standards and a sort of unified movement. Well, you, you raise a good point, and, and not for nothing, um, the, the states still have an issue with metric versus imperial. Um, mm -hmm. uh, I, as, as I went through uh, elementary school and, and high school and even into college, they were still teaching us both, right? Um, my kids, 8 and 10 years old, they're still, still teaching them both. Um, now they are actually are at least in, in, in our school district they're leaning more towards metric, but they still you know they still bring in uh, the feet and the inches and stuff like that. But George, you you actually brought up a, an even better point, and that's electricians. Not for nothing, but it's different. It's not it's it's different electricity, right? It's a different you know voltages, it's different cycles. As we do this, how do we how do we rectify that, or is it just where you know what here's here's our our one sheet, uh, and if you're in London or if you're in England, here's what you do. If you're in France, here's what you do. If you're in India, here's what you do. Well, I still feel like the EU is going to have a huge influence, regardless of Brexit or Brexit. Brexit. Uh, the EU does consume a great deal of product, a great deal of technology. And the other countries around them are sort of following in line, everything from the way the cars are shaped and how the highways are done to this kind of technology. And I have the feeling that maybe not on the pure, the hot wires coming in the wall will be uh, sort of falling in line over here, but we're going to get close and there's going to be yeah. ways of making that happen. We're already using just steel frame instead of wood, and we're already seeing housing developments put up as concrete. So that old adage of it, we had sheetrock and could put back boxes and anything may not always hold true these days. Well, and that's not for nothing. The, the, the back boxes are different. The shapes are different. We talked with Control yeah. Forward at ISC. They actually developed um, uh, wall plates that are square as opposed to rectangle, which in the in the States we prefer ours rectangle. In, in Europe, or at least parts of, of, of England, they prefer them square. Yeah, it's a simple thing. So, uh, Victoria, I want to bring you on this, uh, not for nothing, but but Victoria works in, and lives in Houston. If you're unfamiliar with the geography of the United States, Houston has a small industry called oil. Uh, so I, I, that's the reason I want to bring you on this, because as you're dealing with these oil companies, these are multinational corporations which yep. have offices other places. So as you're talking with them, and, and, and just like a lot of folks, they want to standardize you know, their office in, in Houston. They want to have the same, as, uh, the same office in you know, Scotland or whatever. How do you, how do you manage that? Um, so it's, it's, it can be challenging sometimes, um, you know, not just for the, in the little details like electricity and like the wall plates you were saying and you know, the different wall studs and stuff like that. But um, the biggest thing we've, I've seen is, you know, the adaptation of um, technology. So, 
you know, in, um, for example, it, when, uh, when it starts here in the U S and it goes to other places, it's, it's a lot easier to standardize. Okay. Let's use, you know, this control manufacturer, let's go with this GUI. Let's, you know, use this, um, video conferencing, uh, solution. But when it comes, when it's comes the other way, it's like, Oh, you know, in London, they just, uh, bought this life size off of, you know, the internet or whatever. And, you know, it's, it, there's a, there's, there is a different, um, standard and, and I don't know that they, um, I can't speak for all of the countries in EU, but, you know, I, from what I've seen in the few that I've worked with over there, they're, they're not adapting as much technology as we do, um, here in the States and they want, you know, something simple. They don't really, it seems like they don't care as much. Um, I don't know. It's hard, you know, that's just the experience that I've had now. But when you talk about a country like Japan, um, now they're going like full blown, you know, to the max, you know, full control room automation, video conferencing, everything. So um, it's interesting to have. So this, what I understand from this article is kind of like Infocom before the globe, this company, this company is trying to be like a, you know, governing body or whatever. Um, it, it could be good. It could be a really good thing um, for sure. Yeah. You know, in Japan, even their toilets are remote controlled. Yeah. <laughs> I got, I got nothing on that one. Um, Jonathan. It's true. So, I know some of them are not every, not every toilet in Japan is remote controlled. I'm certain. I'm just, gonna throw that out there uh jonathan get me off of you've this. tried every every one in japan no i have I've not i've never even been to japan i'm just there has to be somebody somewhere you know in a in a rice field somewhere that that is not oh, Jesus you know, God. tell me that they're not never mind jonathan get me off of this wow. topic um as you're covering uh, this how do you how do you how do you manage all of these uh not just not just the the, the companies that the, these three companies that are coming together, but as we as the world gets smaller, as as we get more global, um, you know, how does how does how, how do companies like Victorious, how does Synergy CT um, coordinate with their overseas clients and maybe create some standards like like George was talking about? Well, I, I think coming from the end users' perspective, I think that this is something that they have been. Um, hoping for and, and waiting for for a while and especially with global companies right you have for a global company you're going to have a handful of people who sort of oversee everything that's going on uh between offices and as you mentioned japan and london and houston and uh in canada and maybe south america as well and all of these places now if they want to have a global rollout of a certain technology then they want it to be uniform across all of these different um, all of these different areas. They wanted to be able to work in between each other. Prior to an organization like this, that would mean getting a lot of people on the same page, basically getting office managers or um, IT people or um, even, even just whoever the highest level person is at each office on the same page, knowing that this is the type of technology that we need. These are the um, you know, these are the standards that we want to go by. And it's, it's the end users that are having that conversation. 
right? And then all those people go out and they go to their respective integrators. Um, perhaps they're using different integration firms based on where they're at. And, and it's not, you know, Victoria's company's doing it on one end and some London integrator is doing it uh, in accordance with Victoria's company. But at the end of the day, if you're starting from the end user's perspective, then odds are you're gonna come out with uh, different solutions. It's, it's like a game of telephone, right? Uh, you have the person up top that gives the mandate, and then all these other people go out and try and communicate that to an integrator, and then all of these integrators are gonna come out with slightly different solutions, and those solutions might end up not working together. So I think if nothing else, I think that what this will do is for customers that use the Global AV Partnership or use companies that are part of the Global AV Partnership, they can be assured that throughout the globe, uh, each one of their offices will be outfitted with the same capabilities, the same type of technologies, and it'll, it'll give peace of mind. And it will also let technology um, or technology mandates within end user corporations or universities, whatever it might be, really come from the top and trickle down where that's sort of not been possible before. And what's also going to be interesting is is how the regionalized AV manufacturers are going to to come out of this, right? Um, one of the things that I took away from my very first trip to ISE was the differentiation between somebody a, a global AV manufacturer, right? Um, let's pick on on Legrand or, or Harman or somebody like that, Crestron, even uh, you know. Um, yes, they're they're present. Right, obviously, they're they're again they're global. They're 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 the big ones on the on the on the block, but you also have regional ones. So these are folks that that have no desire, they don't distribute to the U.S., but they have a, a strong user base in let's say France or Poland or whatever. Um, how they're going to how they're going to fit into this standardization, you know? So I I'm I'm the the, the local regional rep um, for Exxon Mobil right in in um in greece well i i have a certain standard i have i have products that i'm used to using i work with victoria's company who's who's coming at me and say well here's our standard you right you know we use this product this product and this product and i'm like okay that's great but i have a screen manufacturer from poland that i've been using for 20 years daylight and draper are are great companies but these are the guys that I've been I've been working with, so it'll be kind of interesting to see how those two how those two worlds kind of come together. So, all right, let's uh, let's talk about um, you know Tim. Yes, sir. I, I do have a quick fear though. Yes, you said regional versus the major manufacturers, yes. right? And it's sort of hmm? very dedicated regional thing, and we're sort of seeing a trend politically towards that, right? Everything from what's happening in the U.S. and Brexit and some other things. Oh, nationalism, absolutely. But it's sort of a nationalism. But then on a smaller scale, we can see it in, in, in the industry. I wanted my regional flavor to keep. But are we at risk with a, with a group like this than creating a sort of Esperanto cafe? Something where we're trying to meld together with a single language and it Esperanto. becomes a bit Esperanto. Cafe. Uh, Okay, uh, uh, just you came forget. Out of I'm a big dumb Midwesterner. Explain <laughs> that. Esperanto. Esperanto was a language in their 60s and 70s, or maybe in the 50s. It was supposed to be the universal language, bringing together all of the different dialects from the U.S. and Europe into a single language. And it sort of sounded like Big Latin, if you really ask me. Yes. But... <laughs> okay. No, no, I get sometimes. But then you're it... at a risk there, though. You're at that risk of trying to make this one common yes. language, and then some of the 
delicacies and that intricacies get lost because you have to round off the edges for everything that makes sense. No, and I absolutely agree with you. And that that's kind of what I was I was saying. There was it's gonna be interesting to see how those two worlds come together, where folks absolutely want standards, but the local folks still want their mm. gal that had been has been doing their stuff for twenty years to still do their stuff. So it'd be kind of interesting to see how how the the big multinationals kind of, you know, marry the two together and, and make both of them work. So, uh, all right. I learned something new today so I can go home now. Esperanto. By the way, that's the name of the, of the show. Um, <laughs> here we go from AV Network. Uh, Middle Atlantic has, has been on, on a tear, and not for nothing, but as an editorial note, that as, uh, Middle Atlantic is an underwriter of AV Nation. Um, they have been doing uh, mounting plates and and um, display mounts for for a, a little while now and it's been it's been kind of fun to watch them develop but the one thing i want to point out here from this article is quote unquote the bottom line the middle atlantic product vdm series includes 17 mounts in a range of sizes and in fixed uh tilt motion standards a bunch of stuff here uh doing uh visa patterns up to 800 uh, millimeters victoria i i brought up the fact that that they've been going down this route for a little bit um it's a topic that we've we've covered a couple of times and i thought it was it was interesting it was it was time to kind of revisit this you have a bunch of companies that do a lot of the same things and and each one is getting into different product lines that maybe another one does as well um as an integrator somebody comes up somebody that you've had a relationship with that you've been buying racks for from for years um, and they start getting into the lane of somebody else that you already have a, a relationship with. How do you how do you manage that? And how do you say you know oh sure you know we'll, we'll try this and you know and then from the other side the the person that they're they're getting in, in into the lane with you know how do you how do you manage those relationships? Yeah, that's um, that's really interesting. Um, I'm glad that you asked that question because I've kind of run into this issue with um, with two particular manufacturers. I won't go into it, but um, talking about this, uh, it it's we're definitely open. Um, Synergy as a as an integrator, we're always you know looking for you know, another tool in our, in our toolbox. And so, you know, we're, we're willing to, you know, meet with these manufacturers, listen to them, listen to their pitch and check it out. And, you know, but the big thing is um, like for, for us, does it make sense in executing? So we take a new product, you know, can I get first, can I get a demo of it? I want to see it in person. I got to show it to my PM. I got to show it to my techs. I got to make sure my guys you know, is it really easier to install? Is it, you know, it's not just about, okay, is it cheaper, better, faster? You know, um, it, you know, it's got to, you know, data sheets can say one thing, but real life is, (laughs) is totally different. So, I mean, I, I definitely, you know, have been open and have switched sometimes to other manufacturers. Um, but sometimes, you know, you just got to stay with what's tried and true and, you know, what your um, what your techs are comfortable with and what they can do fast in the field. You know, that's what it ultimately comes down to is, you know, um, what's the best solution? What What's the best thing? What's the easiest and fastest and cheapest, you know? <laughs> so um, and sometimes people do come out and make better, make a better uh reinvent the wheel you know but um 
So it is, it is, um, you know, as far as the relationships, it's like, you know, I'm the customer. So if I piss off my chief guy and start buying middle Atlantic, well, he's going to have to, you know, I don't know, get me some cool tickets to something at Infocom and maybe I'll change my mind. <laughs> no, um, <laughs> you know, it's uh it's a balancing act for those guys. And I used to work for a manufacturer and, you know, it's, it's hard to, you, you've always got to keep in contact with your dealers and remind them like, Hey, don't, don't forget about me. You know? So. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, all right, Jonathan, from your guys' standpoint, uh, somebody who covers them, how do you, how do you differentiate companies that start getting into other folks um, product lines? Yeah. I mean, ultimately I just think it's, you know, in an ideal world, it's best solution wins. So if a company is getting into another company's product line and beating that first company at what they do, then I think it's up to that originally uh, original company that's had that 20 year relationship to take a look at what they're doing wrong. That's having someone that's not even in their lane come in and take customers away from them. Um, I, I think that, you know, of course you want to go with what you've done before and you want to go with who you have a relationship with and you know you want to know that this person that i've been working with for 20 years if, if something goes drastically wrong i can call this person at two in the morning and they're going to answer my answer the phone and fix whatever i need to be fixed and so that's going to be something that any integrator should and will um, pay attention to when switching over to uh, a new product or, or a new manufacturer but at the end of the day you know, it's it's a free market for a reason. And um, I think that if a company is prepared to step on the toes of another company that's been doing it for a much longer time, A, they better have a damn good product um, that isn't going to just bury them uh, when, when it comes time to, you know, really go to battle against each other. And, uh, and, and B, I, I think that uh, if that is the case and if they have a better company, then, then, I think integrators should welcome it because that's only going to make customers happier at the end of the day. All right. Uh, Mr. Tucker, just like Victoria, you, you've worked for both integration and, and manufacturing. Um, so, so take me down this road from the manufacturer side, developing a new product that, you know, is, is I'm going to say it's a, it's a, a departure from what is their core. Um, but it, it definitely does, you know, um, go against a, a couple or, or, or competes against a couple others uh, in in the field. How do you how do you roll that out? Well, first of all, let's. I mean, a products are developed for what two, maybe three reasons: to solve a problem, to solve a problem that is not really there, but you want to create a market for, <laughs> or to replace something that already exists because the technology is better, right? So those are really three motivating factors. I'm sure we'll get letters, people saying there's a nuance there, but look, there's three, there's those, those three. Uh, to that end, like something like this, this is something that integrators for a while have wanted. An ability to take smaller spaces, thinner walls, and be able to put everything in behind. Nobody wants to see the little boxes. They're not elegant, stackable hi-fi systems. These are little boxes that are functional. They've got to be accessible when serviceable, and they've got to be out of the way when they work, because that's all they do. Half of them don't have fans anymore, so you don't have to, have to worry about airflow. So solutions like this all in one are, are fantastic. Uh, so from a manufacturer side, you say, hey, they're hanging a lot of these flat panels. The business of flat panel profitability has gone out, but can I help you make a little bit more money by, by providing a space hmm. to hide it away? You don't have to buy a rack. You don't have to do this. It's all hidden away. 
because what traditionally we'd either put it on a shelf or we'd wire it all the way back to a rack somewhere downstairs, upstairs or in a closet. This just goes in there and it's, it's sort of, we've gotten to the point bad English. We have come to the point where we're decentralized again. Maybe our control systems are centralized, but then again, they're not. If you look at say the category distribution systems or some of the newer controlled modules out there bridging off of that IOT framework, we're distributed. And the same thing's happening with how we install stuff. So seeing that, because it's also cheaper, I can install it now, come back later, put in another one. No fuss, no muss. Interesting. So you're saying that this is a way to get around the whole, you know, there are no margins left in, in flat panels, but this is a way not necessarily put the margin back in the flat panel itself, but in that installation. I'm sure part of that was a motivating factor. It's also a solution. Hey, nobody's putting as many racks in, or they're always complaining they have to cut holes in a wall. Okay, yeah. let's provide a space. Yeah, that makes sense. I know a bunch of companies do stuff like Wattbox does, a whole bunch of them. Yeah. All right, uh, last one here, and, and it, it, the, the topic came to us from a, a, a folks over at Innovate, uh, Innovate on the Net. Uh, it was a video they did at at, uh, at ISC that I just I'm going to take the exact question and ask it to to you three fine folks. Um, why should the AV industry industry care about the Internet of Things? Not for nothing, but there's a a lot of folks that have been doing panels on this. Our own Josh Schrago has has spoken at Infocom about this. Uh, I'm doing a a, a class with uh, our our buddies over at AVI Systems uh, over the next few months about this very thing. Jonathan, uh, we'll kick this off with you. Straight up, why why should AV folks care about IoT? Uh, I mean, simple answer is because AV and IoT uh, will be indistinguishable from one another uh, within the next five to ten years by pretty much every account that that you can find. Um, at Internet of Things is literally bringing the internet into the real world. It's connecting everyday devices uh, from obviously displays and speakers and content management systems and digital signage to chairs and refrigerators and coffee pots and uh, and heating systems and electric systems. So if if the point is of Internet of Things is to take um, what's in the real world and digitize it, well, AV is a very much a real world craft, um, but all of these things are going to be digitized. So by the very definition of Internet of Things, uh, AV equipment is going to fall under the realm of IT, of, of, um, of, of connected devices, connected to the network. And sooner or later, anytime that you even set up, uh, you know, there's smart TVs now, there's smart displays now, that anytime an integrator sets up even a simple solution, they're going to have to connect it to the network, which means that they're going to need to understand the nuances of Internet of Things, of how to make these things connect of how to keep them secure on the network, of um, how to understand which products are secure and, and which standards um, for security are the right ones to follow uh, so that down the line you don't get in trouble with your customer because you know one of the um, pieces of hardware that you put into your system uh, let uh, a malicious offender get into their network and steal data and hold it for ransom and cripple their business. Yep. You know, based off of a, based off of a $150 uh, you know, switcher that you put in the back end of the system, you know? So, um, yeah, I, I think it, it's been, I've been, I've only been covering the industry for three years, but it's been a very important three years for the industry from everything that I can tell. And um, I, I think that three years from now, if um, every AV integrator 
um, isn't in some way working with Internet of Things, uh, I'll be extremely surprised. No, you you're not wrong there. Absolutely, you know, I, I would I would absolutely agree with the the three the three year mark. So, uh, Mr. Yeah. Tucker, same kind of question. Why, why should we all care about IoT, or should we? I you know you, you can be the contrary in here. Uh, no, because I actually believe it. Uh, it's one of the reasons we have a show called Connected, which focuses what? on this kind of stuff. What? Say what? Who knew? Uh, no, but seriously, uh, as Jonathan said, there's two main factors. The future is mobile. The future is network. And while we can do that from dedicated mainframe or hardcore systems, again, like your stacked hi-fi system, the truth is we are looking at devices that control everything from environmental to lighting to this to that. And while a centralized unit is great, when things fail, we want them replaced fast and easy. We want them updatable. We want them low power and we want them to be able to be flexible. Everything Jonathan said about being secure and everything that uh, Mr. Shrago says are realities that we have to face. The recent adventures of them being hacked and having a DDoS attack generate from them or originate from certain devices like that is a concern. But the future is, at least on the commercial and low end, you know, sort of mid to high range side, that's the future. Maybe it's not called IoT. Maybe that's an overused term, but it really is mobile and it's networked and you have to be able to be flexible. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And not, not for nothing, but if, if you want to get a scare, AV integrators, go check, on, check out Krebs on security. And download yeah. the list of devices mm -hmm. that were used in that DDoS, DDoS attack. There was a speaker mm -hmm. of a large manufacturer in the AV space. Wow. Leave it at that. Go check it out. Change mm -hmm. your pants later. All right. <laughs> Victoria, same question here as we wrap up. Why, why should we care? Yeah, I mean, I second everything um, that Jonathan and George were saying, you know, for sure. I think, you know, it's... The Internet of Things, you know, from when a consumer hears that, you know, someone watching CNN or whatever, because they talk about it, um, they think, you know, my coffee pot and or a toilet, maybe toilets in Japan, right, Tim? Yes, ma'am. Um, <laughs> but, you know, for us in the AV space, we're kind of uh, already there a little bit. You know, we have devices that are on the client's network and they're random black boxes, right? So we are kind of the internet of things right now um, in a way. And then, you know, as as more and more devices become um, able to get on the network and, and become, you know, um, like coffee pots and refrigerators and things like that, you know, um, how AV is going to play into that, that'll be interesting to see. But yeah, it's definitely something that, you know, AV integrators need to have at the front of their mind and, and fully understand, um, you know, what are we putting on the client's network? Is it secure? And, um, you know, working with, you know, because as it is now, the clients just tell us, hey, I don't want your stuff on my network, put it on a separate VLAN and, you know, but the way that things are going to be interacting and, and the usability, we're going to have to be on the user's network. Um, and I guess that's the internet of things. Yep, absolutely. All right, that will be the last word, guys and gals. Uh, thank you so much for joining us. <laughs> Mr. Blackwood, thank you, sir. How do people uh, find you and or Tech Decisions? Uh, yeah, head over to techdecisions.co. Uh, you can head over to the website. You can find my Tech Decisions podcast there, um, as well as a ton of information of both the AV and the IT industries. Um, if you want to reach out to me on social media, you can find me at my Tech Decisions and also at Blackwood Tweets if you want to get to me directly. All right, very good. Thank you, sir. Ms. Ferrari, thank you, ma'am, as always. 
You're welcome. How do people find you and or uh, Synergy? Yeah, so Synergy, our website's uh, synergyct.com, stands for Communication Technologies. Um, you can also check out uh, awesome AV Nation show, AV Apps, yep. um, where I'm a host. And um, on Twitter, uh, Victoria0429, or you can also connect with me on LinkedIn, just search Victoria Ferrari. Yep, absolutely. Uh, and Mr. Tucker, thank you, sir, as always. Oh, thank you. Uh, folks can find me, of course, here at AV Nation on Tucker Twos or at Tucker Twos on Twitter. And I do write for a host of magazines, including Mr. Blackwood at times, who are gracious enough to print my stuff. Mm, absolutely. Uh, my name is Tim Albright. Don't follow me. Uh, although right now on Twitter, I am, I, am, uh, I am celebrating the exit of one of the worst um, quarterbacks in the history of the Bears organization. So... Um, <laughs> Yes, he. Yeah, heard. and the Texans might pick him up. Well, <laughs> I, I, I heard the Texans and the Jets. Uh, so, oh my gosh. Yeah, I, our, our friend uh, now, so. Gina Gina Sansevero <laughs> is 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 bemoaning that, and I don't blame her. So yeah. Uh, so, yeah, I'm not a big fan of Cutler. Um, but anyhow, except for that, go to our website. Uh, lots of great folks have spent an awful lot of time on it. And speaking of that, uh, they're telling me that April first uh, is not only uh, time for jokes uh also time for our buddy mike shin's birthday it's also the start of our new website so uh that'll be some some cool stuff so yeah check that out if you would please avnation.tv avnation.tv you'll find this program a host of others george mentioned a couple victoria's uh av app show we have two weeklies this one and uh we do the same thing for the residential market called resi week uh so our buddy matt scott hosts that one so check that out. Also, a chance for you to check out our underwriters. It's what makes these these things possible. Uh, in about two weeks, uh, we're doing two different things. Uh, I, uh, a couple of us are going up to Chicago to E4, so register for that if you are in the Chicago area. And then I am heading out to Vegas for Digital Signage Expo. So check all that out at the website, avnation.tv, avnation.tv. Thanks so much for listening. Thank you so much for watching. This has been AV Week. Thank you.